0: punting for the fifth time today and that
1: it's blocked the colts got it scooped up by steward touchdown
2: the colts with a special team score
1: love step it up throw it in zone watson touchdown packers they're two for two tonight end around and a reverse here comes
2: Jamison Williams explodes to the end zone puts down Detroit Superman dive for number nine sports radio is back in the Edmonton area this is sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius show
0: Here we go, Seoul, 65 for December the 5th, and what a glorious morning looking at a high of plus 9. How can that be on December the 5th? Outstanding outside, and uh, plus 9, well, it's kind of reminiscent of the time I used to work at Sam the Record Man. It's not a record, but it's above average. Five days off. Boy, that's a long time between games for the Oilers, but they'll get back in action tomorrow when Carolina visits... uh, Roger's place in Carolina was in Winnipeg yesterday. It was actually our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. Winnipeg beat uh, Carolina 2-1 last night. And if you caught a glimpse of the game, it was kind of neat to see former Edmonton Oil Kings, Laurent Bersois, he was sporting the old school pads. They had the uh, powder blue unis. Jets look pretty sharp out there. Brassois' pads, just the way, I don't know, the ink dye and everything on the creases and the way it looked, it really looked old school. But, man, Brassois was solid last night. 42 saves for the former oil King. Winnipeg wins it by a score of 2-1. to one. And Lots of things that happened last night on the football field. Uh, if you caught the Monday night football game, which was a <laughs> a pretty good game, and the Duke of Delburn he sent a social media post out just berating the game, berating what was going on. And then what happened, Duke?
2: Well, the first couple drives did not inspire a ton (laughs) of confidence. And uh, with the Thursday night game that's coming up between the Steelers and the Patriots, I thought if there's going to be some bad football played, I better save myself for when I'm uh, out at the brew house uh, this Thursday. But I stuck with it, you know. That's what perseverance gets you. <laughs> oh is. yeah, I'm uh, sure
0: it was tough. Yeah, you, you
2: stick it out because I I was tempted. I was like, I just turn this off and flip over to watching a bunch of the hockey games mm-hmm. instead. Um, but I stuck it out and and Jake Browning, what a performance for the uh, the young man, former Washington Husky. Um, 30? very tough news for the the Jags with the Trevor yeah. Lawrence injury. But yeah, it ended up being a really good game. Um, bad news in terms of the final result uh, for for Jacksonville mm-hmm. fans. But uh, hey, it keeps one more team in the mix for at least a week long, week longer uh, in the case of the Bengals. So I was very pleasantly surprised by the uh, overall res- or overall yeah. quality of the game. I guess so. I could
0: say. First of all, Jake Browning was thirty-two of thirty-seven for three hundred fifty-four yards. Had a magnificent game. It looked as if, as if his heart rate didn't give get above eighty all game long. He was just so mellow. He just was really just even keel. But then Trevor Lawrence went down and. I th- to be honest with you, I think everyone thought he's done for the year. They're saying it's a sprained ankle. We'll see exactly what happens on the injury front in that regard. But, man, it looked bad. And then I was wondering, you know, when he went down for the second time, he kind of walks off, and then they're walking him down the tunnel. I'm like, you know, get the guy a card or something. Anyway, we'll see what happens with uh, Trevor Lawrence, but – That means a Canadian, uh, Nathan Rourke, would probably dress, I guess, next week for Jacksonville. C.J. Beathard came on, and Beathard played okay, actually. Uh, Gave a a chance to the Jags to win, but uh, in the end, uh, since he wins it in overtime... By a field goal, some dumb play calling by Cincy again in that one, you know, that uh, lateral and Tyler Boyd and everything, a uh, bit of a gong show there. Text line open, 1-833-401-1440, one 401 1440 Give us a shout. Give us a call if you want. Tonight, kind of, uh, you know, one of those emotional tug at your heartstrings night in Vancouver it'll be. The New Jersey Devils will take on the Vancouver Canucks. The three brothers, the three Quinn brothers, will play against each other. So Jake and Luke for the New Jersey Devils, Quinn for the Vancouver Canucks, and of course Quinn is a very solid Norris Trophy candidate, uh, tied for defenseman scoring, I believe, with Kale McCarr. The two guys are just playing lights out for the two of them. But this will be the ninth family in NHL history where at least three brothers... Played so textures give us a show. Do you know some of the other ones? Well, we'll give you a couple hints. But you know, three brothers playing against each other. The Stalls were the last one to do it, and it wasn't even that long ago. Uh, Jordan, Mark, and Eric. So the three of them played against each other. So in the past, what other families? What other brothers played? Had at least three brothers. You got to have. The Stastneys, I mean, they were on the same line, so that's pretty simple. Who else? I mean, look at the house. Not brothers, but father-son's. Gordy played with his sons, Mark and Marty. Quite amazing. Uh, text line, one 401 1440 The Stair Farmer with his daily roll call. Good morning, boys. Have a great show. The conikers, years and years ago very, you know, I mean that's, I mean they were the athletes of the Canadian Athletes of the Year, the Conachers some of them, uh, They that was you know, the Sutter Brothers, yes of course the Hunters, that comes in from Kevlar, thanks for that and uh, obviously the Sutter's comes from Doug as well trying to figure out if there were four, were there ever four brothers playing against each other, so you know Rich and Ron would have played with Philly at the same time so any time that you know, Dog, Dwayne, or Brian, or or Daryl. I would imagine it would be Daryl and Dwayne in Chicago playing Philadelphia. That would be four. That's just off the top of the head. The cool thing about what I was, I was looking through a couple things just really this morning. Sorry, it's Jack Hughes. Yeah, thanks to Elevator Darren. Jack Hughes, uh, My fault. Sorry about that. Jack Hughes, for your information from Elevator, Darren. I love the show. Cheers. Hopefully Luke can play tonight. Thought he got hurt last night. Going to be interesting to see, but I assume that they would probably try to get him in. So, Jack, Luke, and then Quinn for Vancouver. Appreciate the uh, correction. Thanks, Elevator, Darren. But did you know on this day in NHL history, back in 1968, and what are the chances? You get the, the Hughes brothers playing together tonight then you go back to 1968 on this day in NHL history Phil Esposito scored two goals on his brother Tony Esposito now you're thinking it was Boston Chicago but Tony Esposito actually started his NHL career in Montreal that's where it happened tonight 1968 Phil Esposito two goals on Tony Esposito Pretty cool. Doug Jones comes in on the text line. The Plager brothers in St. Louis. Barkley, Bob, Kevlar, the Stasny brothers. So the three of them. Hmm. Man, there has to be. There has to be a game where the Sutter brothers, Dwayne and Daryl, were playing in Chicago for a game or two or a while. I'm going to have to check that. We got. We got. We got a little research to do this morning. Um, Busy show coming up. Really looking forward to having on Dave Maloney, New York Rangers analyst uh, coming up at 7.20. Uh, Great career. And, you know, he came in with the New York Rangers to play, you know, in the late 70s and the early 80s. Right at the time, and this is one of the directions that I want to talk to him about. You know, 1980 was a pivotal time in American hockey history, obviously, with the Miracle on Ice. At that point you know american hockey was it was stagnating it wasn't really doing much but then 1980 took it to a whole new new level so herb brooks actually went on to coach the rangers he came in a couple of years after the olympics in 1980 so going to get dave maloney's perspective on that pretty neat angle in the sense that uh you know dave was a big part of american hockey history how it was how it was turning because even after herb brooks came in he brought in some guys to the Rangers, Rob McClanahan, guys like that, to the Rangers after nineteen eighty because those were his guys. Those were his guys from Lake Placid. Those were his guys. So Kevlar Tech, oh, thanks for this Kevlar. Yes, Daryl and Dwayne with Chicago, and Ron and Rich with Philadelphia would have to be back in the you know in the eighties. We'll see exactly uh, the date on that. Uh, I always hated the Hatcher brothers. Comes from Northeast, Mike. Yes, Darian Hatcher was oh. Just a savage, an absolute savage on the ice. Coming up at uh, 8 o'clock will be uh, Mark Spector and Frank Saravalli at 8.20 as we go double barrels with our hockey insiders. We mentioned that our uh, St. Albert Dodge game of the day yesterday was Carolina and Winnipeg. It could very easily have been the New Jersey Devils in Vancouver tonight to kind of preview that game. But... We'll probably be talking about that a little bit more. So we're going to go a little different direction with our St. Albert Dodge game of the day at 7.40. We'll uh, talk a little bit about the AJHL because a couple of big games in the AJHL with three local teams. We've got uh, Sherwood Park and Camrose and then Olds and Spruce Grove. <laughs> uh, nine o'clock is our co-host every Tuesday. Grant Fuhrer will uh, check in at nine o'clock. 11 from uh, Coachella Valley and uh, Palm Desert, where he resides. And of course, Grant does uh, color commentary for Coachella Valley Firebirds. And uh, we'll get Grant's thoughts on what's going on with a couple of things that's, you know, big things that are happening in the American Hockey League. Most importantly, I think, with the Oilers' angle, is that. What's the situation uh, with Jack Campbell? Where has he seen, uh, what's he seen from Jack? And, you know, what uh, his thoughts on, you know, a possible recall here in the next few weeks. And we talked about it yesterday. I think he's got to get his game totally, 100% on track. Don't even think about calling him up uh, unless he is. Because, I mean, this is, you got one chance here one shot this is this is the slingshot around the moon for Jack Campbell now with this organization you bring him back he stumbles you can't you you can't you're you're not fishing anymore you're cutting bait uh, but with grand fear how cool will this be his former teammate in Buffalo and longtime Sabres analyst Rob Ray uh, one of the toughest Cookies to ever play the game. He stuck up for more teammates and fought more guys and did whatever it took to protect his team and to spark his team for years. Like 900 games played, 3,200-plus penalty minutes for Rob Ray. Pretty cool uh, to see Rob Ray coming on with Grant Fuhrer today at 9 o'clock. We will have our inner or you out with uh, Grant at 940. And then Tim Murray from Vizant Primetime. Man, there were a lot of conversations yesterday about uh, the selection committee and where college football went with the top four, but hopefully Tim Murray can uh, you know shed some light on that subject. Duke, did you think that the, they got it right then yesterday with the top four? Because there were a lot, you know, after it came out, obviously everybody at FSU is pissed off. We all know that. But I think they got the top four teams in there.
2: I, I think that's... Like, again, it, it comes back to the argument of is it about right now or is it about the season as a whole? And, and those are kind of the two sides of the argument because the season as a whole... It probably FSU has a very strong case, but as of right now, with the injury to Jordan Travis, um, Alabama's strong surge at the end of the season—it's tough to argue against them as well. Texas, I definitely think deserves to be in. You can't mm-hmm. argue against Washington and Michigan, so it just comes down to the, basically that last spot uh, between Bama and FSU. And there's a lot of talk about you know the rating side of thing and ESPN flexing their muscles to get Bama in over the Seminoles, but. I, I think they got it right. I know uh, Declan Kruger here in-house, our, uh, our in-house college football <laughs> he expert. He says no? Is it- he, he, he is, uh, he's on FSU side here. He thinks they should be in. So I'll be curious to see what Tim has to say because, yeah, here we are even a couple days later, and it's still basically the one buzz uh, going around now, basically only really rivaled by the Trevor Lawrence uh, injury news after last night's game. So mm. it's, uh, it's still a hot-button topic, and I'll be um, – very interested to hear from a, a real um, you know down in the states expert on the topic uh, out of Vegas there so hmm. uh, he, uh, looking forward to hearing from Tim.
0: That will be some interesting conversation I, I I think that I'm still taking Alabama now to win the national championship so uh, we'll see I mean that's going to be tough a tough road. I mean they're gonna have to go through some well any, any one of these four teams can win. But I'm picking Alabama to win it. When we come back, we will uh, hook up with New York Rangers analyst Dave Maloney. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the Road Ready sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December the 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in Dave Maloney to the big program, the Rangers analyst. Uh, Good morning, Dave. Welcome to Sports 1440.
1: Yeah, good morning. How are you doing this morning?
0: Doing great, doing great. Thanks for uh, hopping on this morning. And boy, oh boy, the Rangers have sure been very, very impressive to start uh, the year. What have been the keys to their success in the early going?
1: Wow, yeah, they have been. um, They have had a a great start, and a lot of us wish this was was actually June. (laughs) uh, There's a lot of hockey left to be played, but. Uh, I don't think one should be apologizing for the record that they have. And I think it, it actually, you know, it's difficult to kind of say when this all started. Um, maybe you have to go back to the hiring of uh, Peter Laviolette uh, when he was introduced to the local media, uh, suggested that um, the game that the, any team, a championship team, needed to play uh, started right at the moment that he was introduced. And, and you can't expect a flash and dash game uh, that may work during the regular season with good goaltending to stand up come playoff time when the ice gets smaller. So you fast forward to the opening night in Buffalo, and uh, most of us who were there uh, thought, oh, my goodness, uh, the game was perfect. (laughs) Couldn't it be in in May or June? Uh, But, you know, as it's rolled along here, they've been remarkably consistent and remarkably resilient, Uh, and when you look at their roster, they do have a lot of good pieces in place, and and going back to Peter Laviolette's message, I think was sent out to the top guys, Mm -hmm. that there's a certain way you have to play. Uh, Laviolette ended up behind the bench as a result of the exit meetings last spring when the Rangers were unceremoniously dumped after Mm -hmm. being up two games against the Devils, and uh, the theme coming out of those meetings, and you want to empower the players a lot, but the players do have more empowerment now, and the message from the players seemed to be they needed more of an X and O's presence behind the bench, and no offense to Gerard Gallant's um, method to his madness, it was just a different look, and lo and behold, Peter shows up, and And that message was, I I think, that the game had to change. You have to have more of a north-south game. And I I think it's probably best epitomized by Artemi Panarin. Mm -hmm. Now, Panarin has been a tremendous player for this club, but to his own admittance has not been happy with how he's performed postseason when the ice gets smaller. And now you see, just as an example, he scored three the other night against San Jose, and two of them are right in front of the crease, right on top of the crease, an area that ice that he never really – I rarely visit. Uh, so all in all, there's just a number of factors that have uh, contributed, but I think it started right from the top with, you know, your top players in a position to play the game the right way. And, you know, eighteen four and one later, this is where the Rangers stand.
0: Yeah, eighteen four and one in Ottawa tonight as our guest on mm-hmm. 1440 is Dave Maloney. And I don't know, Dave, if there's a better – off-season free agent signing than Jonathan Quick. He has just been phenomenal for the Blue Shirts this year, and you've got to be just uh, going, this guy's just turning back the clock every night.
1: Yeah, he he certainly has. And, you know, it's funny, uh, we watched him in training camp. He did not have a very good camp. And It's coming off a couple of seasons where, you know, it ends for everybody, and the thought was that Jonathan may be closer to the end than not, but the guy is uber competitive and has won a couple of cups, and then, it was interesting to watch because there were a number of uh, older free agent signings, and Nick Bonino and uh, Tyler Pitlick, uh, Blake Wheeler, mm-hmm. you know the fellows that are a little bit uh, longer of tooth. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but once the puck dropped in the regular season, these guys all just kind of took it into that. So okay, now this is the NHL; it's time to play. And Quick has been that guy too. So um, the Rangers have been fortunate. Uh, going back to 2017 when uh, there was a letter sent out they are going to go a different direction what they have had through then through thick and thin is goaltending so we went from Lundquist to Shesterkin and now you throw quick in the mix and you know there are teams and you have to pass excursion on, uh, on the Oilers but there are <laughs> teams that are dying for goaltending yeah. and um, the Rangers have been very very fortunate for a long time going back to when Hank showed up in 2005, uh, that position has
0: been pretty solid. Yeah, you don't have to tell us that around here, Dave, about goaltending because we're it's, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's uh, hopefully turned the corner. Those two Skinners played quite well in the last uh, four games, and and really, if they can get a little bit of support, uh, they might be okay in that department. Uh, Dave Maloney, right. our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, is there anyone else, Dave, I'm just trying to think about, you know, on the roster, and you did mention Artemi Panarin, uh, who else has kind of, you know, pulled this team into the fight and kind of uh, been responsible for this 18-4-1 uh, start?
1: Well, there's a number of guys, right? You, you need, and that, and that has, this, it's, uh, probably Vincent Trocek. Hmm. Uh, he's having a terrific year uh, in all aspects. He leads the league in faceoff percentage. The Rangers are very, very experienced down the middle. So their face-off numbers have been good, um, and Trochuk has been Trochuk has been great. He started out in the third rotation, um, and then Philip Hiedel, uh got hurt, and so he's uh, you know he's now playing with Panarin and Lafreniere. Lafreniere has has come to be the guy that I think a lot of people expected him yeah. to be, uh, number one overall pick, uh, and he can't help but get better playing with Panarin. Uh, they have a wonderful chemistry going. Uh, Chris Kreider has, uh, has, has remains, the, you know, a key factor on the power play and the blue line. Uh, Jacob Truba brings, uh, you know, there was a bit of a question about the range of snarl, and I think Procek and the Cooley and and Truba are willing to kind of get play physically uh, when the physicality is needed to throw Ryan Lindgren in. So, Mm -hmm. really, it it has been a collective effort. It it really has been. The catalysts, uh, as I mentioned uh, previously, have been such. But uh, the thing is, too, we're talking to David Quinn before the San Jose game the other night, and mentioned um, how the Rangers do seem to have a roster that everybody's really kind of content and set on where they are in the rotation. And he was saying, you know, the San Jose roster, a lot of young people, a lot of people that haven't been around the league, and there's there hasn't been that kind of pecking order established where everybody understands their role. And I think that's really a, a big part of this of this thing, too. So, you know, like when you lose, there are all kinds of things you can point your fingers at, but then when you win, there's all kinds of things that you can grasp being part of the success. And, and the Rangers have had a number of, People accepting the roles, being good at the roles, and that's where they stand.
0: Dave Malone with us on Sports fourteen forty. Dave, where are the where do the Rangers stand on the injury front with guys like uh, Heedle and Kako?
1: Well, those are two Heedle for sure is a particular concern. Um, he's had a history of, of um, issues. Whether he's officially concussed, they have um, upper body being the, the issue. Uh, he has had concussion issues, um, and that and kaka will heal. He's got a lower body issue that uh, that you know definitively it will heal. So that those two guys out of the lineup uh, for an extended period of time will will hurt. Um, they're both the younger guys going into the season. I think that a lot of us thought. That really, at the end of the day, the continued evolution of Hedl, Kako, Lafreniere, Miller, Schneider, were probably going to be the difference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Miller uh, Miller and Schneider have been tremendous, as has Lafreniere. So that's something that, you know, quietly gets put aside, but I think over term um, that might be a bit of an issue for the Rangers if indeed um, Philip Hedl can't come back. And I'm not suggesting that that's at all a factor. Uh, it's just uh, suggesting the longer he is absent, um, his talent will be missed.
0: Dave Maloney with us on Sports 1440. Dave, I wanted to talk about your career a little bit because you've been with this Rangers organization since the mid-70s. And, you know... I, I kind of wanted to draw the parallel to 1980 and the Miracle on Ice and when kind of things mm-hmm. changed, uh, I guess, on the American hockey landscape. What do you remember just, you know, being being in New York in 1980 and just down the road in Lake Placid, you saw what was going on. Uh can you kind of take us back to where you could see maybe, you know, hockey in the United States turning the corner a little bit?
1: Oh, there's no question. I, I think there are moments along the way. Uh, where the American presence took, um, you know, took a height, and where you can see, you can see the impact of of success in various American cities or the country, starting with 1980, where you know that next generation of kid uh, thought, wow, hockey is, uh, you know, hockey might be something. It was always pretty provincial, right? It was in areas of the country that, um, you know, in, uh, New England, Minnesota primarily um, where uh, they were producing players. I mean, I, I remember playing the game started to get better. Players association started to get a little more aware when the American kids started being involved in the league. And, you know, a story like, um, uh, certainly I remember exactly where I was when um, mm-hmm. the, we were in, actually playing in Minnesota. So the U S beat um, the Soviets on the Friday we were in Minnesota on Saturday playing the North Stars, and we got in Friday afternoon. And, of course, the USA team had trained out of Minneapolis-St. Paul. And, oh, my goodness, it was like uh, New Year's Eve uh, by a factor of 100, this celebration. So then in 1996, that with, um, it was Leach and Richter and Kachuk and an uh, endless number of great American players beat Canada in the Canada Cup. Uh, I think that was another, uh, another impactful moment. Um, and then you get teams, uh, franchises like Anaheim winning the Cup in 2007. They had two, uh, I believe the number's right, they had two to three high school programs <laughs> in Northern California at the time, and now they're like 30. So uh, you take that to St. Louis, you take that to Tampa, where Franchise Cal- uh, Carolina, where franchises won the cup, and that just fostered the next generation of kids who wanted to play. So, and it, you know what? It's a little different pecking order, I think, the programs um, America versus Canada, uh, you know, Canada across the board. I, I still think it's, you know, a pretty passionate sport. Uh, the passion is being spread out in a lot of different areas in America, and yet in a lot of areas in America, it's not the number one sport. So that being said, though, it, uh, they have certainly, certainly closed the gap uh, from the times where an American player was an Aussie in the league, and the league's better off for it. It's some good stuff.
0: in Edmonton, Uh, Kevin Carey's show on Sports 1440. Dave Maloney, the New York Rangers analyst, is our guest. Uh, When you, in the early 80s, you, Mm -hmm. I mean, Herb Brooks came into the Rangers as head coach in 82. So what was that like? Because, you know, everyone knows how big of a profile he had with the team in 80, and then he comes to the, you know, the biggest sports market going. So what was that like for you?
1: Uh, That was, I had my best three years. Um, as a pro playing for Herb. um, I often tell the story. uh, He uh, asked to meet with my brother Don and I uh, before his first camp. Our first camp was in Europe, actually. And uh, I remember meeting with him and walking out of that meeting in in mid-August thinking, gosh, I'm going into Game 7 here. I'm so fired up with uh, how he wanted to play. And, and you know, his game was a puck possession game. Uh, A lot of the practices that you see now uh, where it was constant it was laid out beforehand and there was uh, uh you know lots of movement, lot plus possession. That was uh that was Herb style. And um he he really um he was the best one game coach I think ever played for. Unfortunately for us, we weren't quite good enough to beat the Islanders, nor were anyone else <laughs> as it turned out. So I, and he had an immense impact. On on our franchise, we were good, uh, but like I say, the Islanders were that much better. So um, I ended up I, I ended up uh, in, in Buffalo playing for Scotty, but I look back on uh, the times that I spent with Herb in, in somewhat regretful manner. I uh, never really followed up in the relationship I had with hmm. him, and he passed so suddenly. So yeah. uh, he had an impact on our on the Ranger franchise, no question and he certainly had an impact on uh, my career just from the thought that he he wanted you to be the best player you could be, and he actually demanded that. And, you know, when you're 25, 26, 27, sometimes the message uh, is not heard quite as loudly as when you look back and think over the course of your career it's just how important he was.
0: Was he a different coach, Dave, from what you had heard, how he handled the collegiate players and then came to the Rangers?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, you know, the story now of her with that 80 group Mm -hmm. with the movie uh, A Miracle on Ice and and different things. I'm not sure how aware we were of or I was or perhaps, you know, we were pretty veteran at that time, more of a veteran, uh, largely, uh, you know, Canadian group, Mm -hmm. North American group, Canadian group. Uh, So I'm not in, in full disclosure. I'm not. Quite aware of yeah. what his reputation was, but I do know that our first training camp in Europe, um, he, you know, the premium on conditioning and the practices mm-hmm. were hard. Um, we used to have um, uh, these kind of blowouts, every uh, aerobic blowouts every two weeks or something like that. They were hard. Uh, the games were a lot easier than the practices, but uh, and I, I think it took a while for guys, and perhaps there was a. Part of the group that never really ever bought into, you know, his his madness. Um, but he he again um, he was uh, a guy that demanded and um, expected you and needed you uh, to be the best player you could be relative to your skill set. So that, like I say, the message and I think the difference over time for him was his audience uh, in the collegiate level was at max four years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So guys would come in as freshmen be gone as a senior. And after a while, so ultimately what happened, that uh, that message kind of wore thin, and Herb never really, um, you know, was there at, at with the Rangers as long as probably should have been given the success he did have there.
0: Dave Maloney with us on Sports 1440. Uh, just a couple of quick ones for you, Dave. And you did mention Don, and it's interesting that mm-hmm. you did mention Don because we were talking about uh, the brothers, Hughes, playing against each other in Perfect. Vancouver tonight. You got Jack, Luke, and Quinn, and we talked about all the brothers uh, over the years, and uh, Brent and Dwayne played against Rich and Ron. I think that's the the highest count is four Rangers and and uh, sorry Islanders and uh, and uh, Philly back in the day with the Twins, Rich right. and Ron. So, I mean, what was it like? I guess to to have that time that you you played together with your brother.
1: Yeah, it was great. I, I mean, I'm, I was two years older. I'm just still two years older. <laughs> and we, uh, yeah. um, we were separated by four years hockey-wise. Uh, I, I played my first year junior uh, in Kitchener when I was 16. Uh, Don came along a little bit later, so I never really, my, my brother Bob, there's actually I'm the oldest of seven, are four boys and three girls, okay. uh, three boys to start the hit parade, so I was the oldest of Bob and Don, and we played together as squirts in 1967. Uh, and that was the last time and the only time the three of us all played together. Hmm. Uh, it was funny my father was like the road road manager manager my mother was like the mother's mother <laughs> and uh, so uh, it was uh so then to be reunited with uh don um, it at that stage of my life, I'd left. I left home when I was 14 to play in Toronto came back for a couple of years of junior in Kitchener and then was drafted young so um we really never grew up together beyond uh really formative years mm-hmm. so um you know so it was it was great it, it was uh, I remember he was he was taken in the second round it was the year that um fred the rangers hired fred shiro and they had to sacrifice two first round picks oh, okay. uh, for the signing of fred shiro oh. and um so don eventually arrived on the scene um you know he um ended up that was the year we went to the finals he ended up with a national seven up um campaign advertising campaign yeah. and um i think he had, congrats, had the, probably
0: almost at the same time wasn't
1: it <laughs> yeah I was uh, it was great it was um, you know my family uh, there were obviously say seven of us we a lot of times went our independent ways so I was you know really fortunate to be able to be able to spend five or six years with Don it was great we're still really quite close as I am to all my brothers
0: Yeah, and I mean people kind of forget he had five consecutive 20 goal seasons for the Rangers he was a yeah. sniper back in the day it,
1: well, I'll tell you a quick story. <laughs> so I was, uh, actually, it was 2018. I was back uh, home around a Memorial, uh, actually Labor Day weekend. And in the Kitchener Auditorium, if you go around the corridor, they have each generation of Kitchener Ranger uh, teams. So my teams were the 73, 74 in that era, mm-hmm. and Don was the late, later 70s. He was drafted in 78, right? So when I kinda of got around to uh Don's group, I was looking at his, his career as a ranger and I'm like, Wow. <laughs> wow. I I had to call him and say, you know what? I didn't realize you were such a good player. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he really was. He mm-hmm. was smart, he was persistent. Um, he, he the thing was he could make a play, he'd find the puck off the boards and make a play and uh no he was a really and i'll have the final and anecdote is uh so he was the third uh in line of skates right I yeah get them, he my brother bob would get them next and then gone so he probably never had a pair of skates that actually hit him <laughs> until he was a junior so <laughs>
0: uh you know great con- great conversation around the christmas uh table if you ever get together isn't it
1: yeah it's really uh really good stuff we're very uh very fortunate uh, to have had um, you know a couple of guys from Lindsay, ontario and and you know i've got a brother as a doctor i've got a brother as a businessman and you know everybody's a couple of nurses and a couple of teachers and so you know from a group of seven from Lindsay, ontario life has been good
0: <laughs> oh i can't thank you enough for taking the time this morning uh dave really appreciate it and have a good call tonight uh, rangers in, in ottawa this evening thanks for doing this
1: well no thank you for calling and uh Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and all those
0: good things. Yeah, best of the season to you and yours as well. Thank you very much, Dave. Bye-bye. That's uh, New York Rangers analyst Dave Maloney and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. Uh, Some good, uh, man, some good stories with his his brother there, and, uh, you know, even going back to the Herb Brooks days in the early 80s because, again, it was, a, it was a critical time for United States hockey. There's no question about that. When we come back, it's time for the St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day that's coming up right after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back uh, to the big program. Great conversation with Dave Maloney of the Rangers. Uh, and that is, of course, our 7.40 break, which means it's the Duke and Brian Adams. How about a little rock steady with Bonnie Raitt? Will we ever get that one Duke? You know that one?
2: I'm not sure that one's in here.
0: Oh, really? I it. it's the only one I can think of with uh, you know, another duet that we've haven't talked about. We've never heard Rock Steady with Bonnie Raitt.
2: No, there's uh, because there's a lot of his Christmas music in here, so that takes up a fair chunk of the uh, pages of the library. But I maybe have to dig a little bit deeper to uh, to find the uh, the good old Bonnie Raitt duet. (laughs) Have
0: have we heard Kids Wanna Rock? Oh yeah, that one's always
2: in the mix. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're all my favorites, right? Uh, That's well established at this point.
0: (laughs) Oh man. We got to get uh, the Duke off of Brian Adams for maybe one day just to see if he can, if there's a withdrawal factor. Maybe. Oh, there
2: will be. Is there, would there be? <laughs> if, if you don't give me my fix here at 7.40 in the morning, then all afternoon we're out here at the Connor Halley and I doing our post-show work. I'm just like blasting it out of the speakers of my laptop and then nobody gets anything done.
0: Oh man. Uh, excited to uh, introduce a, a new sponsor on the Kevin Carey show and it's uh, St. Albert Dodge. And again, we're going to be doing this thing called game of the day and Right now, because of where we're at, I mean, the game of the day is probably going to be focusing primarily on hockey because university sports are taking some time off for the Christmas break. And then you've got, you know, every other, you know, other angles where it is still probably just hockey over the up until Christmas and into the new year. So that's just the way it's going to be. But we're going to branch off into every sport, every level, pro, amateur, college, university, high school, whatever it is, and give your give our listeners a little bit of a, a say, a little bit of a you know send us a, a text in. What do you, do you want us to cover this game for a game of the week one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty or shoot me off an email at Kevin at sports fourteen uh, sports fourteen forty ca. So um, if uh, you got that, I talked to a, uh, one of the guys that coming up uh, Thursday is the CSSHL showcase. So we're going to be focusing on one of the games coming up there because uh, that's uh, all the teams are coming into Edmonton for a showcase event. Not all of them, but I think a good portion of them for a showcase event on the weekend. And we're going to profile one of those uh, coming up uh, either tomorrow or Thursday. We'll see how she goes. So we actually talked about possibly having the... uh, St. Albert Dodge game of the day with the Devils in Vancouver. But we're going to go with the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and we're going to actually modify it a little bit today and do games of the day because there's a couple of big games in the AJHL uh, tonight. One of them is in Camrose, and we got so many listeners uh, down in Camrose, but it's the... uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders in Camrose to take on the Kodiaks and the Crusaders off to a, a fantastic start in the AJHL. Maybe faltered a tiny bit in the last little bit, but still solid, solid positioning right now in the standings. Uh, Sherwood Park with a record of 23, seven and one Camrose has been fighting it. That's just the way it is. Uh, nothing you can do about it, but uh, maybe they're trying to build for the future, trying to build a little bit, uh, down the road. Uh, Camrose, nine seventeen and 4 The The Crusaders are led by uh, Dominic Payne. He's got eight goals, 30 assists for 38 points. And then uh, in goal is Eric Roost with a 2.73 uh, goals against average. Only Brooks with a better record than the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, Brooks with 56 points in the AJHL Canalta standings. Sherwood Park with 47 tied with Black Falls. Those are the top three teams uh, going in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Interesting uh, that five players off the Sherwood Park Crusaders have been selected to Team Canada West Ryan Zaremba, Dominic Payne, Eric Roost, Brock Such, and Diego Johnson. Now, these five players will play for the World Junior A Challenge. It's a uh, well, it starts in a couple of days, December 10th to the 17th. This tournament will be in Truro, Nova Scotia, uh, for the first time in six years. And that was the last time that a Canadian team. One gold at the World Junior A Challenge with uh, Team Canada defeating the United States. So uh, those games will be uh, streamed. You can check them out. Uh, but congrats to the five Crusaders that are playing in the, um, the World Junior A Challenge. Ryan Zarema, Dominic Payne, Eric Roost, and Brock Such, as well as Diego Johnson. Also tonight... The Olds Grizzlies will be in, Shur- in Spruce Grove to take on the Saints. The olds comes in with a record of six nineteen and two thirteen seventeen. And, three. and once again, this is a new thing that we're doing. It's called Game of the Day. In this case, it's Games of the Day, uh, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. You can join in on all the holiday cheer and everything else and help St. Albert Dodge fill their RAM 1500 with toys uh, for the Salvation Army. I was in the dealership. They've got a, a big truck, a big uh, Dodge 1500, right in, uh, right in the – as soon as you walk in the gate uh, or walk in the door to your left, throw a toy in there. Uh, I'm actually going to be down there today. I'm going to chuck a toy in there, so uh, – uh, stop in, say hi at the north end of the St. Albert Trail. Beautiful, beautiful facility. So, again, games of the day today. So Olds is in Spruce Grove, and, uh, the Saints with a 13-17-3 and three record. Evan Sundar leading the way for uh, the Saints with a six goals, 15 assists, and 21 points. But they've got a young goaltender, Ryan DeCock, with a 2 7 goals against average, who is playing lights out this year. Keep an eye on this guy, Ryan DeCock, uh, I maybe it's de Cook. I'm hopefully maybe we'll get a pronunciation on that. But this guy's been playing very well. Uh, 2.27 goals against average. So, those are the games of the day. If you have a game of the day, please send it our way. We'll try to incorporate it somehow, but uh, looking forward to this uh, relationship with uh, St. Albert Dodge and uh, talk to Brad McCrory down there um, and Alan Wack. Uh, Really nice to meet those guys. I'm going to be heading down to St. Albert Dodge uh, today to talk to Brad and Alan, and uh, uh, I believe Brad's son is going to be picking me up at uh, noon, Wilson. So, uh, looking forward to that and uh, uh, kind of... you know, striking and bonding a good relationship with uh, St. Albert uh, Dodge. So uh, that would be our games of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Could have had the game of the day last night uh, as well. The, uh, and we did touch on it, Carolina and Winnipeg. But how about Arizona and Washington, Duke? Arizona shuts out Washington 6-0. And with all your crazy things in, are you in or you're out? Apparently I was right. Because both St. Louis won in overtime over Vegas, 2-1 in overtime, and Arizona one, so now there is even a more of a gap that you gave to me and Loria and Munzer. In. Yes,
2: despite your uh, confusion around the question, <laughs> yes, confusion. Um, you you did end up predicting it correctly because, like I said, it boiled down to saying that both Arizona and uh, Vegas would lose or St. Louis would lose last night. Neither of which, and that Arizona team, they have uh, they've won five in a row, They're all scrapping. five wins against the last <laughs> five Stanley Cup champions, <laughs> which is I, I don't know how if there is some sort of aggregator that could uh, figure that out I, I, that has to have never been done before
0: again if it's not a record it's above
2: average there you go that, that, is, <laughs> that is very impressive and the Yotes are rolling man. Uh, between that, all that young offensive talent they've got up front Connor Ingram, Rock and Net they're, um, they're yeah. putting themselves in the mix here it's, uh, it's impressive.
0: When we come back, top of the hour, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet, and on the mark for Booster Juice will be our guest, followed up by Frank Saravalli in the Daily Faceoff, and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Before that, it's time for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.